Guys, Tyson Popplestone here from RelaxRunning.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, really excited to to share with you today that Relax Running has launched a brand new membership. Uh, it's something I'm super proud of, something I'm super excited to be able to share with you guys and, and something that I've put uh, quite a lot of work into over the last couple of months. It was inspired by, actually, as I was uh, growing up and going through my running, I was I was constantly dreaming of having the opportunity to speak to Olympic athletes and coaches and experts um, in and around the field of athletics to be able to pick their brain on the things that I, I should be doing to improve my running. I mean, there's so much information available on how do you actually improve. So I thought, let's just cut through all the confusion and speak to the people who are actually doing it um, and and that's what we've created there. So we've got a, a an elite insight video library with Olympians, experts, and uh, and coaches sharing their uh, insight on training and nutrition and recovery and mindset. And there's uh, questions around marathon preparation. And uh, honestly, we we go really deep. And the the best part is you guys can guide the conversation. Members are going to be able to uh, to let us know the questions that they want the actual guests to be asked. Um, there's also going to be uh, two bonus podcast episodes a month that are only going to be able to be accessed by members of the community. Um, so if you're enjoying podcasts here, we're going to uh, have both the guru and I, um, other elite athletes and experts uh, coming on and speaking specifically about all things running. There's a members-only forum where you can come and uh, get advice from other members on your training diet, all things running, uh, and also be able to share your answers and breakthroughs with uh, with with those people. So it's a it's a really my goal with it is to make it a really close knit community. Uh, we've got a mo- monthly members only training program which happens online where uh, I'll be there answering questions around running training. Um, a couple of times a year, we're going to have Olympic athletes there to answer uh, member only questions, which isn't going to be able to be accessed anywhere else. Uh, anywhere else, uh, there's a there's a strength exercise library to be able to help your uh, gym program, which is obviously going to help your strength reduce injury. Um, there's a number of downloadable workouts that are going to be available and we're in the process of putting together some training plans for uh, 5k through to the marathon. Um, uh, as a, a bit of a launch um, offer, we are giving the first 100 members of the community 50% off all membership options. So if you're interested, jump on relaxedrunning.com and click on membership. Uh, you have your choice of membership, and it's fifty percent off for the first one hundred members. Um, guys, I'm, I'm I'm so proud of it, so excited to share it with you, and and really hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. We've uh, we've already started to get a good little bank of videos that are that you're going to get a lot out of. So that's relaxrunning.com. Click on membership and uh, uh, enter the coupon code New Members to be able to get fifty percent off. All right, guys, the guru is back in business today. It's been a little while since he's been on the show, so uh, it was really cool to be able to sit down with the great man and uh, and talk a number of things running, both on a local scene and an international scene. So let me get out of your way. This is me and the guru. We're back. Back we are. Dude, I forgot what you look like. It's been <laughs> about six weeks. I think it's only been three or four, but you just that feels you just don't remember me. <laughs> I've had I've had sixteen different women message me saying, Where is the guru? 
Well, they're only human. Yeah, a couple of blokes, <laughs> which is legit, your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Get the guru back on. The biggest fans. <laughs> I said it was my most popular post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Just um, I posted, I can't even remember who it was, but I posted a photo of like the latest interview guest yeah one of your brothers goes mate get the guru back on then your other brother liked it and then jesse just told me she liked it as well so See, i don't know with them too if they're taking the piss or not that's a problem yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit <laughs> maybe just taking the piss over that nickname which i'm going to mention at least once every, uh, every year I took, I took their advice though because um as soon as i saw cam's comment i called you yeah i was like mate yeah this is it we've got to break the drought well to, to be fair they are actually listening which and they don't they don't have you know a dog in the fight in regards to the running scene, so they're they're listening. Mate, we're getting some listeners. I was running out at um, Eaglemont tennis courts with a group of blokes yesterday. Where is Eaglemont? I don't know how to explain it. It's uh, actually yes, I do. I know exactly how to explain it. So it's, it's east, follow, east suburbs. Yes, yeah. if you follow Burke Road towards sort of is it Doncaster or Baldwin? Mm-hmm. Up to, so we're in Hawthorne, yeah. So you yep. um yeah, up towards Hawthorne. It's pretty much. It's sort of tucked away in your left-hand side. I used to train there years ago with, yeah. um, with Al Fahler, Mottram's group. They, they always did their Saturday thresholds there. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't been there for years and years, but it's just such a – it's honestly – I was saying to the guys yesterday, it's another place in Melbourne where you forget how much access to parks and beautiful trails and nature you have if you want it. It's funny you say that. Like, I grew up in Western Victoria, and now I live in the inner west. I live sort of Footscray, West Footscray area. And I'm really sort of shattered at the moment because there's not much – running scenery for me like there's along the Maribyrnong river which is good beautiful bike path but there's only you know that hard impact on your legs and there's not much track off that but i do need to sort of get a bit more familiar with these spots around the eastern suburbs like i've been driving to princess park every now and then just to get some of that really nice you know surface to run on and and that is it that sort of surface 100 percent. yeah Yeah. it's it's the exact same surface as princess park Um, yeah yeah i I remember what the Maribyrnong is like as yeah. well like it's it is nice running along the water but you've only got you can go left or right you can go out and back mate if you went out there once every two weeks and did a run i think you'd enjoy it because it's actually quite picturesque and i don't mind it and it's got a good wind break down there and it usually it's usually a couple of degrees cooler as well but yeah doing it every day <laughs> yeah well i remember i used to, I used to yeah. do it every day i used yeah. to do my morning um like my morning 30 minute run just out and yeah. back and yeah yeah, it gets uh, it gets pretty boring pretty quick. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't necessarily mind out and back runs. Like, I, I find them okay. Yeah. But there's something about being out and surrounded by trees and stuff. So out of Eaglemont, I feel like an out and back run is quite different to an out and back run along the Maribyrnong. I don't know if it's just that it's broken up by trees and quite potentially. I've always struggled with out and back runs, and I think that's mainly a little bit because it's like the varying pace changes that you go through, and you often wind it up a little bit. But I sort of really, really struggle with you know, knowing that you're not, not even halfway and you're going to come back and see the same same scenery again. I would, If I was to run for an hour, I'd almost prefer to get someone to drop me off an hour, an hour you know, 12, 13K away from home and run back. Yeah. And the mentality for that is I've actually got to get somewhere versus sometimes I do really struggle just with those out and back and I'd much rather not nice loop. Well, I, I totally yeah. get that. Well, yeah. yesterday the, the beauty for me was the last – Eight weeks, I reckon I've done my Sunday long runs by myself. Yeah. And um, I went out for dinner the other night with um, a few of the Team Tempo athletes, and, mm-hmm. and Matt Clark, who I hadn't met before, was there. He's actually – so he just moved to Adelaide, um, Melbourne Blue. He's gone over there to train with Adam's group uh, to hopefully get himself a spot in the 3K steeple at Tokyo this year. Yep. We hit it off, had a big chat, and uh, I bumped into him at a little restaurant here in yeah, Melbourne really? uh, yeah. on Saturday night, <laughs> or Friday night. 
said, mate, like, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm, you know, I've, he had a race last week at Box Hill. And he goes, uh, hey, I'm, I'm running out at Eaglemont on Sunday. Are you keen? And then I, I was keen, but the beauty with running by yourself is I've been going out at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Like whenever I feel like running, I'll just do it. So I'm like, oh, Sunday morning. I don't know if I can record <laughs> it. Like I've been through a few mornings where I used to have to get up. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I did. Man, I got there and it was, mate, there was, there was probably, I'll go conservative. I, I reckon there was at least 20 athletes out there running yeah. in the group. Yeah. Um, like people that I'd sort of I'd heard of and spoken about, and um, a couple that I invited onto the show, Just making connections, Tyson. <laughs> accidentally, but it was it was a game changer in terms of just how enjoyable the run was. I like, saw on Strava it was a pretty impressive long run for where you're at at the moment, and I, I remember looking through some of your runs and looking at you know the paces and I guess sort of what what, what you're actually getting out of those runs fitness wise, and then I saw that and I was I was really impressed. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was funny, and I think as soon as we started yesterday, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I actually, no joke, within 500 metres, I was like, mate, my Strava's going to look great today, because <laughs> I, I knew like we were running at a pace that was, like, I'd never start a run yeah. that fast. I think it was, the first K was only just under five minutes or something, Yeah. Um, but you know what my first K is usually yeah. like, and then, like, you just, I, I honestly think that um, from the last eight weeks, just that long that longer running, like yeah. I'm starting to develop a really good base. So it wasn't; it was faster than I had been running. I averaged sort of four minute fifteen for anyone listening who's interested for for twenty four k. That's your goal marathon pace. It's sub three, which was which was so yeah. funny because I was I was laughing when I got to the end of the run. The, the guy said, "Mate, so what time do you want to run for your marathon?" I said, "Yeah, I want to break three. I go, well, you're halfway. Like you're yeah. halfway there. And how are you feeling? I honestly felt great. Yeah. Like, so um, like a bit of nutrition, which you probably need after that, if like you know, but. To get to that point, and you know what it's like, what you think you should be feeling at the halfway point of a race, and it's often not fresh. Yeah. You know, and you often you still know that your capabilities of maintaining that pace are there. So to be able to jog that, I think you're fine. Exactly. You know, and you're only going to get fitter. Yeah. Well, that, I sort of took a mental note as well because I definitely noticed at 24K, the last couple of weeks, I reckon at about 20 to 22K, I start to notice that I wouldn't mind to add a few, like whether it's a drink of some sort or yep. a gel or a little bit of food. I don't know. Um, probably a gel, to be honest, like have ideally. You, have you noticed much muscle fatigue at all, like in terms of different like glutes or maybe hip flexors or certain points uh, at the end of that run? Or The actual, the only, the only little bit of an issue that I've had is um, like I've, I've had real trouble in the past with rolling my right ankle. Yep. And uh, I'm not sure if the joints are just a little bit loose, but the inside of my right angle is always, I think there's just a bit of inflammation yeah. that goes on through there. Okay. And I don't usually notice it so much when I'm running, uh, or I didn't yesterday anyway. Yeah. I, I usually notice it the morning after I wake up and yeah. I'm like, oh, that is tender. So I've been I've been pretty cautious and icing that and massaging my calves and stuff a little bit. You've got to be careful looking at where you're pointing now, even like your Achilles insertion just in there, you've got to be, sometimes those areas are, are, can be quite sensitive and quite worrisome too, which is, you know, the typical sort of overuse injuries, often the ones you can run through, but they're not fun, are they, when you Nah, yeah. no, they're definitely, they're definitely not fun. Like it's, uh, it feels pretty good right now. Uh, Monday at the moment, has, it's been my day off anyway, so yeah. I've always, yeah. um, last week, not because of this, but last week I, um, I deliberately gave myself a few days off because I've been pretty consistent running sort of 55 to 70 k's for the last yeah. six or seven weeks. So I thought I'm just going to give my body just a little little chance to adjust and just to absorb it, and then like get back into it again this week. Um, it's a good mental note. You get fit by the way you recover. It's not the actual running that gets you fit. It's the recovery and the adaptations that occur. So sometimes, like the mentality of having that rest, 
you know, you just need to remind yourself, this is how I'm getting fitter by recovering properly. And if you're not, then you're not going to get those gains. Yeah. Who was I? I've actually, so there's a bloke, you'll love this. Yeah. There's a bloke coming on the podcast. You might've heard of him. So his name is John Quinn. No, I haven't heard of him. So John Quinn is a, he, he started out as a sprint coach yep. and Dean Huffer, who is a physio at, um, at Melbourne, like sport and spine clinic yep. in South Melbourne. He messaged me, he goes, hey, you've got a podcast recommendation. Yeah. He goes, uh, John Quinn. He sent me through his bio. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I phoned John Quinn the other day. Uh, <laughs> Dean, Dean hooked it up. And uh, mate, I asked the bloke one question and we spoke for half an hour. Nice. And it was... One that you wish you recorded probably. <laughs> probably, seriously. So yeah. he was telling me, and I'm going to get him on so I won't give away too many of his stories. Yeah. But he said in 1998, Kevin Sheedy reached out to him yeah. uh, from the Bombers. He was living up in Sydney. And he said, mate, like, uh, you know, I've been recommended to get in touch with you. Like, you've got a few athletes who are going really well in the sprint distance. Yeah. He goes, would love you to come down and do some work with, with the Bombers. Yeah. And uh, he goes, Tyson, I'd never watched a game of football in my life. He goes, but as soon as I turned on the TV, he goes, I noticed they all look like 800 meter runners. Yeah. And he goes, I, I started to watch a, a little bit of their, you know, their games. And he goes, yeah. Uh, so he started training these guys as though they were 800 runners. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so uh, there's a there's a million things I could say about this bloke, but he's coming on the podcast. He works down. Um, he he helps out Karen Holzer with her hiring patients who are going through some um, issues. But he said one of the biggest problems um, with the the runners that I constantly see is he goes distance runners always come in and they've got injuries and pretty much once it boils down to it, it is it's pretty much always overused. Like unless yeah. it's just a hard a hard hit. He goes so many runners have that ability to thrash himself yeah. because regardless of the level they run at they a lot of them still seem to struggle with with the recovery aspect so i took a mental note when he was saying that the other day even though i knew it i just sort of put a little asterisk next yeah. to that comment because i thought oh it's going to be so easy to nine months out go oh, i'm getting really fit it is a really fair point because like you can have those unlucky injuries and we all know people that might have you know tripped over and they break their foot or they did that but you know those unlucky injuries but typically if you're running that, that sort of volume it's the overuse stuff that gets you I've been struggling a bit actually in the last week. So like I went out for about an hour the other day and I've been getting there like 45 minutes in and I've got my right hip flexor is noticeably just fatiguing. And it's this really bizarre sort of thing where I'm not getting like a leg drive. And it's um it's been really bothering me lately. So I don't think I need to get to the bottom of that. I'm not sure if it's like a glute weakness or if I'm not sure if I'm I feel like my, my leg drive and my right knee is sort of the muscles which are meant to be firing that aren't, and I'm really sort of putting too much emphasis on certain hip flexors. But is this just in your jogging? This is just jogging, and it's been bizarre because you know you know that feeling after you know you go for 45 minutes and you're you're getting a little bit fatigued and you're not aerobically you're, you're just not puffing. But I've been this is specific points where I'm really sort of struggling just to get that knee lift, and it's um. Yeah, I think I do need to go see someone. So. Oh, I reckon you mentioned this to me a yeah. couple of months ago. I, I might have. Recently, yeah. yeah, and it might have just gone away. Or I think I, I probably need a bit more glute strength work at the moment and just to really focus in on that and just make sure, it, you know, it's this typical stuff that no one likes likes doing, but you should. Yeah. You know? Do you find it's one of those things as well because you're not necessarily training for any competition? It's easy just to let go? Uh, it's super easy to let go. Um, and I think naturally I've sort of been pretty well-balanced body-wise and I, I – I, I've had a few niggling injuries in the past, but nothing which is, you know, too major or too many, you know, issues. But, yeah, this one's sort of bothering me a bit at the moment, so I need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, you need to go visit um, 
need to go visit MMA Dean Huffer. I do, mate. I'll probably just need to start doing some squats and I'll start, you know, even a bit of cool What, you really stuff. think it's just a weakness? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think my glutes aren't firing properly and I think my knee drive is sort of just, as I said, my hip flexors are just pulling it up rather than really forcing it up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's my theory. The yeah. Completely unqualified theory. Yeah, well, yeah. it's interesting you say that because um, it's, uh, it's really, I find it difficult in these moments to know exactly who to speak to sometimes. Yeah. I remember I used to have a couple of doctors back in the day and it can cost, it costs, like to go to some of the sports doctors that are around, it can cost a you know, fortune just to. Yeah, health insurance, it's a must, I think, if you're doing any form of uh, You want something pretty sport. basic as well, aren't you? But yeah. it covers your, covers your oh, bases. Well, I mean, I'm over 30 now, so I've got a hospital and, and extras because I think that you know, the tax breaks that you get once you reach 30, it makes sense. Again, completely unqualified to yeah. talk about that. My accountant tells me so. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it's a necessity because it, it, you know, and having a bit of disposable income at this stage of your life, stage of your life, I think you've just got to do it. And if there's one thing not to be, you know, stingy over, I think medical costs are always one. Like my dad's always said that he's like, you can be tight with everything else, but he goes with medical stuff. Just never be afraid to spend. Mm. And I think it does sort of put you in a, you know, good you know, frame of mind for that. But in saying that, I'm still tight, and so, so I, I still do struggle to sort of you know, work out who to see. I think if you find a good physio, usually with a good holistic approach, that's that's a really good starting point. Sports doctors are interesting though because it's, you know, you need to sort of have a bit of a goal about what you want to get out of that consultation, I think, because sometimes people go there a bit too broadly. And, you know, and yeah, but I think a really good physio is sort of what I'd recommend. Like who, so you see, who were you talking about before that you see? So I actually, uh, well, I used to see Karen Holzer That's, when, yeah, I was, yeah. when I was. And what's her background? Uh, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. I, all I can tell you is her background is every athlete in Melbourne yeah. seems to know yeah. her or know of her. Yeah. Um, and, and she was always really helpful when I yeah. used to want to go and see her. I haven't seen her for years, but well, actually I have seen her about six months ago, but I used to see her quite consistently because mm-hmm. uh, um, obviously I was always having trouble with sinusitis and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but just because I'm not competing anymore. But I know, I know, uh, yeah, Jordy Guzman goes and sees her from time to time. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like it's a pretty. I really, I just like the setup of the clinic that she's at the yeah. moment. That's the one where like there's Dean Har- uh, Dean Huffer and Richard Squires, who's a um, like a massage therapist or a masseuse. Or I don't know yeah. the term for it. Like a Mayo, or... maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I've been in there for a massage, and yeah, I think he was just massage. I don't know if there's anything yeah. fancy attached, but uh, he was really good. But it's just a, it's a really holistic approach, just to. Um, you know, whether it's strength or recovery yeah. or, or just diagnosis of any issues. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think a lot of those different clinicians often have a big bit of crossover. Like I've been to some really good myotherapists before, which for all intents and purpose, have every bit of knowledge that a good physio has. And then, you know, you can even look down the realm of like the exercise physiologist, which you can see, and they're starting to pop up a little, you know, with a bit more regularity around the traps as well. And yeah, I think you just got to find a good practitioner that you sort of trust in and, and, and works for you. But yeah, there's a as I said, a lot of crossover with what they do. It's a really blurred lines about, you know, when you might want to see a myo, when you might want to see a physio. And, you know, it is it is quite hard to know mm-hmm. who to go, well, where to see, where to yeah, go. Yeah, there's definitely a market for it. Like if yeah. you're a young person who wants to get involved in physio, it's something that, mate, I, until yesterday, yeah. honestly, like and this is only in one, running such a niche sport yeah. in itself. But even yesterday being out there, like there was probably yeah, 20, 25 people in the group that I was running with. Yeah. And then uh, some athletes from MTC, we're running the other way, like Jen Gregson ran past with Sinead Diver. Yeah. Um, and there's probably 15 in her group. And this is just in one spot in one run yeah. in Melbourne. I thought, man, like there's some there's some serious, 
serious athletes around here. <laughs> but um, it was it was funny. I was a bit starstruck yesterday just being a running fan and just seeing the the numbers and the the names that were running around out there. It was it was pretty impressive. So what's the pl- next progression with your training? So looking at that nice long run, that's probably the most impressive uh, you know run that you've had. Yeah. Where to from here? Well, pretty much what what I'm going to be doing is. Um, I'm going to keep that long run as consistent as I possibly can. Uh, it's at 24k at the moment. I'm in no hurry necessarily to get that That's too enough. much higher. That's yeah, enough. yeah. Uh, I actually wouldn't mind. I think I respond quite well to long, slower running with a, a run at a pace like I ran yesterday every now and then. Yeah. Um, so I think I reckon the next maybe month and a half, two months, depending on how I'm feeling yeah. at 24k. I'll probably I'll probably dabble at twenty eight just to go up there, but I won't stay there consistently straight away. I'll, I'll jump up yep. and maybe run it for two weeks or run it for one week, and then back to twenty four. I just I think the the biggest thing that I learned I've said a hundred times in the last marathon was I just completely underappreciated how much, which sounds ridiculous, how much the distance component of that run was was needed. Are, so, you, are you tempted to start throwing in a few like fart leg sessions or what? Well, yeah, I'm going to. What, I, what do you have in mind? I've been lazy, to be honest, the last yeah. couple of weeks because I've seen my fitness improve so much just yeah. what I've been doing. I've been lazy to, to yeah. step it up. But I've done – I've only done one faster yeah. faster run, and that was like a 10K sort of thresholdy, okay. thresholdy run. At what pace? Um, I ran it in like, like a, just under 38 minutes. Yeah. And that's a month ago. Yep. So I think on a Wednesday, because I like that, I actually like the fact that I can have a, after a Sunday long run, can have two full days of, of pretty much easy running recovery. I think it counts as a session at this stage of your of your fitness journey. Like I, I think when you're, you're peaking for a marathon, a, four, a 24K at 4.15s, I don't think that, if you, if you need to recover from that, I think you should reassess. But like, I think, yeah, at this stage, you can count that as a session quite safely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Yeah, um, and just the and just the, the fact that pretty much what I need is that longer, slower running. Yeah, I'm not stressed about whether I'm, I'm not going to be doing two extra sessions a week. I'm only, yeah, I think I'm only going to do one session on yeah. a Wednesday, um, and that might be uh, it's going to be it's going to be longer. So whether it's a 10k threshold from time to time and and gradually increase that or do something longer and slower maybe even a, oh, oh honestly like just for the fun of it i'll probably chuck in a few eight by k's and stuff as well because i just enjoy that session I, I think i think you need to i think it's more than just for the fun of it i, I think at this stage you know chucking in a modest fartlek or chucking in a few six by k's at a decent clear i think that's actually going to sort of you know really you just hit different energy systems that you're just not hitting at all at the moment. It'll help your running economy too. Like it'll help a lot of stuff that you're sort of not really focusing on at the moment. You know, you're running long and slow, but, and you know, if you went down to the oval now and did, you know, eight by a hundred strides, like you're going to pull up a bit sore from that. You're just going to hit those different muscles that sort of do tend to get neglected yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And it's, um, it is something that I'd probably recommend. And I think plus for the motivation factor, like if you've got a day where you really, you know, you're really, really struggling, um, you know, to get out the door. Sometimes if you just tell yourself, you know what, I'm just going to go out there, do a 10-minute warm-up, 20-minute fart-like session, 10-minute cool-down, and mentally that can be easier sometimes as well. Yeah, totally but, agree. So, and I, I think another another thing, big thing which you, um, which you touched on as well is even the ease that you can run four-minute K pace at when you've been used to running 320s or 330s or faster, yeah. it's just – Mentally, it's such a game changer to be able to go out there and, and sure. not freak out about oh, how fast his four minute pace. Have you thought about even entering a few park runs and just getting like a bit of a, you know, getting out there amongst it again? And, and even if you're only out there, I don't know, 
actually, I have no idea what 5K shape you'd be in. What, what do you reckon you'd run? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so, but I, that, that 38 in a tempo you did, 10K, like, how gassed were you there? Yeah, I was, I was working pretty hard. I was, well, to the last, the last probably yeah. 2K, I was working pretty hard. So because I, what, the, the reason yeah. I, I crossed the line and I was, I was breathing was, I realised, um, what was I, I was going to go out and just try and run around 350s to four minutes. Yeah. And I went through the first K, and I think it was 345, and I was like, man, that's a, that felt great. Yeah. And uh, I thought, so I, I think I pulled back the next K. Yeah. And uh, I remember looking at my clock with 2K to go, and I was thinking, oh, mate, just put, put in a little bit of effort here, yeah. you'll run under 38 minutes. And I remember, I think with, with a, a K to go, I had to run like, 3.30 or something. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get it. You so, know? so maybe it wasn't a typical it, threshold. It wasn't session. a typical. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I shouldn't have. I, I think a, a typical threshold, um, yeah, like 38 there's, and a half. There's or, a place for that. I think you should get out of there. Oh, so you reckon you break 18 minutes? Five what pace is that? Is it three? Oh, that's a good question. Actually. Uh, 20, 40 minute, 20, 40. What was that? Like 320 something, 323 or something. Maybe. Is that right? Am I making numbers up? Maybe. Crap, I'm going to have to edit this out so I'll yeah. way smarter than I am. So, <laughs> three and a half, seven, 14, 17 and a half. Ah, oh, yeah, it's like three and a half. Plus. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I could. Yeah. I mean, so, it'd be nice like this to get out there and like, you probably get a bit out of that too. I think I'm going to actually, I'm going to sign up for a couple of the, yeah. the lower level miler club races just because uh, like three can on the track, I haven't run one of those for five years. Last, I was saying to... And you need to do a session or two then, mate, because oh, otherwise okay. you are going to be struggling out <laughs> the <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I said to the guys yesterday, the, I, I think the last time I, I ran a track race was, I was obviously a lot more serious about the sport than I am. Yeah. Uh, and there was so much pressure. So the idea of going out there and whether I, if I ran nine and a half minutes or ten and a half minutes like emotionally i wouldn't i wouldn't be that fast do you yeah. know what i mean uh, yeah. it'd purely just be a little bit of fun and yeah the, the, it's like anything just the social component of being down there it's so it's just adds so much value to I, the sport i guess you feel a bit more involved in it too then and even if you're out there in one of the lower lower grades it's still a good vibe isn't it and yeah but yeah you'd have to get the flats or the spikes on what do you I think? I need to buy some. I don't own any. Don't own any anymore. I'm going to have to, uh, yeah, so if you want to hook me up, anyone, <laughs> let me know. Well, to I'm be honest, gonna... I actually think you could. I remember back in the day when you had one of your little product sponsorships, you were flogging off. You were just chucking pairs at me left, right, and center. I could almost guarantee you that I've got a few pairs of Adidas ones, which <laughs> I've, I've never worn, but you were giving it to me. So I might give it back <laughs> yes, to you. Please. Actually, no, I know for a fact. I have four Do pairs you? of Adidas. Do you? Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. Mate, that'd be awesome. Yeah, great news. I do. Yeah, sweet. Okay, right. well there we go. I've sorted out my spikes. We're the same shoe size, people, so it all worked out yeah, well perfect. for me. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I used to love it. Times, you know, you'd rock up the train like Maddie. I'll give you these pair of shoes, and Adidas. Hate them. You want them? All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, I, and I was a poor uni student at the time. I absolutely oh, I want them. How good is that? Gave me a few pairs, which no offense, yes. Adidas. I like your product, but there were a couple of pairs which I could tell why you hated them. But I was just too proud, and I, you know, put like eight hundred k into the pair of shoes that I just absolutely hated. <laughs> so for free. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I love, I love looking at people. Like it's stuff that you just under. I feel like you underappreciate when you're given it. Like yeah. in those moments, because I was. Uh, I keep referring to yesterday, but it was just funny. This is a hot topic on my mind. Um, it's amazing how much you like you don't appreciate times as much when you're not uh, when you're running them, yep. and you don't appreciate gear that's just being thrown at you when you've got it. But the idea of just being thrown a box full of Adidas gear now, I go, 
Oh, whoa. Like, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be very helpful. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them for you next time. That's we'll, so good. You'll debut and we probably have the oldest spikes on the on the track. <laughs> Speaking of bloody Adidas, did you see uh, big Jordy Guzman getting around in his little kicks in, I don't know what the what the uh, race was in the States. I saw it. was an indoor race. at 7.49. That was a broke 7.50. That's a yeah. PB for it. Yeah. Like, no, just indoor or outdoor. It's a PB. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I still think of him as the, you know, where that fits in terms of Australian qualifying, but of course it's irrelevant, it really, isn't it? It's a good time, though, because, I mean, irrelevant, oh, irrelevant yeah. he's not representing Australia yeah, sure. anymore, but um, yeah, it's solid. I don't know that there'd be many other blokes in Australia that break 750 on an indoor track. Well, obviously, so, okay, Stewie would. Morgan McDonald? Um, Morgan McDonald would. Um, who would, else? I don't know if. Sam McEntee? Potentially. I know he's, he's run 7.51 outdoor. Yep. Um, okay, I thought he might have been quicker than that, but okay. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe in, in like, talent-wise, he probably is. He, he probably could run, like, a 7.4. Pat oh, Turner. sorry. Pat he's Turner. run 7.41. He's run oh, 7.41. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Pat well, Turner, good. Yeah, okay. What, what is the conversion from an outdoor track? Because when, when I heard that he ran 7.49, yeah. I thought, mate, that's got to be 7.40 outdoors, isn't there's it? There's different indoor tracks. This and one so, was one of the bank ones. So there's indoor, there's indoor tracks in the US. There's some which I think are 300 metres, and there's mm-hmm. some which are under 200. So it, uh, and some that are banked, some that yeah, are slightly sure. banked. And so I think there's no flat out – I mean, different tracks have their own sort of conversions. But, yeah, it, it is quite tricky because I, I wouldn't be sure – I mean, you probably would be safe there that it probably was a 200-metre banked track. They're slower. Mm. But in saying that, I think they're slower for some athletes. I think some athletes really do well on them. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be weird, wouldn't it, running on a 200-metre track? Yeah, it would be very strange. That, yeah, that, that think big the, aspect of the track is... Imagine, I think maybe your 3K with the pace that you're going might be a bit different, but imagine you're running an 800 and just with that pace going around, you'd, you'd be getting dizzy almost. <laughs> it'd just be, it'd be strange. I'd, I'd love to try it, but yeah. yeah, it would be strange, mate. We have we have some of the most incredible depth. Like just to, to focus on Australia for a little bit mm. longer. As an Olympic year, it's an exciting year for for a spectator, especially. It's a it's a fairly tense year for like I was looking at three yeah. k steeplechase in the men, five yep. k in the men, women's marathon. Um. Uh, there's there's quite a few names. I think three K steeple is probably still the one which we don't have that high end depth to it though. So we've got a couple of blokes running. Um, I cannot like Buckingham. Well, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Ben is it? I think I think yeah. it's Ben. I feel terrible. Sorry, Ben. Mate, he's the best bloke in. So I I think that's that's a, that's where you can get a spot. Like that's the um that's the event where I think there's spots up for grads this Olympic year because like, I think I look at, you look at the five k you'd want to be close to a thirteen ten guy to be confident in making that team. That's true. And well, yeah. So, so I can't believe Bucks will call him Bucking. Yeah, Bucks. he's um so he's run eight twenty seven for steeple. So that's okay. It, it's good. Now let's like again better than I would ever be capable of doing, but I. If I compared an eight twenty seven steepler to a thirteen ten, for instance, or thirteen ten is by far a better. Would you say better? Like a better uh, Yeah, probably, probably. I would say thirteen ten is a better time than eight twenty seven. Yeah, which is why saying I, that we're not. Ta- we don't like. I think the qualifying time for the Olympics is eight twenty two for steeple. Okay. So I'm not sure if eight twenty seven is just his PB now. Right. And then like, who, who's to say when we're yeah. eight nineteen or faster? Um, but I, I, I can't say it's filling out three steeple spots. Well, I I think we can. Who? So we've got um, Bucks. Yeah. We've got um, Matt Clark, who is a 2840 
10K man yeah. who's just started to dabble in the steeple. And I think he's running 838, which I know is a yeah. fair way off 822. But when you've just started... There's technique gains to be had there too. So, yeah. like, you, you know, once you work on those hurt, that hurdling, which I think you're not and a lot of steeples don't. It, yeah, true. Yeah. true. And I just I also think, like, uh, Yusuf Abdi is obviously a great example of someone who yeah. has, he didn't necessarily have the fastest flat time. So I don't know what he... He might have run 740. He's a games, man, honestly. True. And... Found out yesterday, fifth in an Olympic final. Yes, but Beijing. Um, so, so maybe an incredible, incredible racer mm. as well. Mm. But I think uh, the fact that he ran eight sixteen, or he's half a second off Sean Crichton's yeah. Australian record, he's probably should hold the record. To be honest, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, just, I think that's encouragement to any blokes out there who um, are looking to qualify. The other bloke is Max Stevens. Okay, is um, another South Australian. Yeah, another yep. South Australian team tempo bloke. I'm actually not 100 percent sure what time he's run, but I think it's a bit faster than Maddie Clark at the moment. Yeah, but I know, yeah, maybe maybe not. To be honest, like I don't know if all three of those guys will hit the time they need. It is interesting because if I can, like, there's going to be some 5k athletes miss out. So I think that's a more interesting one. And to so, and about. what what I'm what I actually find a little bit intriguing is one of those 5k athletes if they're going to have a backup entrance in like the, you know the national you know, 3K steeple this year just to try and get in the Olympic team because, you know, you've got Morgan McDonald, Stewie McSwain, Sam McEntee, and that's Pat, Pat Turner. Like, that's four. One of those guys won't make it. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking down at the 1500, Then again, you've probably got Stu, Matt Ramsden, Ryan Gregson, um, your mate Craig. Yeah. Um, like there's a, and, and, a couple, and a few others probably as well, which will be up around there. I think there's... I think in terms of when I look at the steeple as maybe lacking that depth, I'm not convinced all three of those blokes will qualify. I'd love to see it happen, but I, I think there's going to be some quality athletes who are quick over the flat, not make it like mm. the 15 or the 5 or the 10. Yeah. And so that's what, it, that's what intrigues me. Like You wonder if you know one of those guys, if they – the Melbourne Track Classic, you know, if they don't have a good 5K there, if they're going to – Consider. I'm very excited. Are you keen to go down and watch that race? When is it? It's. Uh, I think. I think it's in a couple of weeks. I think it's like two weeks time. Yeah. So my worry is if it's on the Saturday, I've actually got Wayne Festival in Footscray. On the, on what, is, the, what is that? It's uh, just a music festival on the eighth. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's my priorities, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, da- I'm dabbling in track and field media here, and I'm. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, I'm pretty keen to go down. So I'm going to go after. I'll be day on the source, and then I can. I'll head into Lakeside. And... Oh, mate, you're a better bloke than me. There's no <laughs> way if I ever did that, I'll be going to an athletic event. But uh, come down because it's going to be a. Yeah. It's going to be a pretty hot field. By the sound of it, apparently there's 45 blokes who've made the time that you need to to what? race. So I think they're going to have like an A and a. What's and, What's the cutoff? I think fourteen, I think fourteen twenty five is the cutoff. Really? Okay, it's but, too slow. Yeah, but I think fourteen twenty five. That's obviously your A and your B. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a, there's going to be a few athletes lining up, like um, like Matt Clark hasn't nailed a real good five yeah. k just yet. Yeah. But based on his ten k twenty eight forty, you'd think you'd get a start in the A race with. Yeah, you'd imagine. You know. Yeah, because you'd, you'd yeah. back him to run. Like, yeah, I think if you got. That, that depth, you'd like it to be like a pure sub-14, you know, minute race where every guy in there is a 13-something. Like, that'd be nice to see. It'd be good to see, too, a few of the um, 1,500 guys stepping up, like a Matt Ramsden or, like, you know, someone like that racing a five. I think, like, hopefully, even a Ryan Gregson, I'd love to see him have a crack over a distance other than other than a 1,500, like, really try to nail a quick time. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting 
Greg, I don't know if I've just got him picked as a as a 1500 man because that's what he's done for the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine him. He going. races with regularity over over 15, though. He raced a lot last year in 2019. But I, why couldn't he? Like, okay, so I, knowing the training squad, like, you'd have a, we'd all have a rough idea of the training that he's doing. I have no doubt he's got the mileage in the legs to sort of, you know, to, to say he could run a good 5K. Yeah. I could. Why couldn't he drop a 13, 10, 13, 15? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, I think I think the only the only thing, and this isn't a knock against him. This is pretty much just based on what I've seen from the last yeah. couple of seasons. I think there's no doubt, like the talent that he has. I yeah. think at his best, he'd be able to do it. No doubt. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm not convinced. Maybe his body hasn't been right. Maybe. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not sure, and I, I've got no inside info. No, I just reckon looking at the bloke the last couple of seasons wouldn't suggest that he's capable of matching up with the bloke. How old is he? Yeah, I think he's, he'd be 28. Yeah, it is. But I do wonder then if he's going to follow the typical career progression and sort of go longer. Because I, I look at him right now, and I, I don't see him as better as better than a 147, 800 guy. And then, you know, he's, he's pretty quick. Like he's a 331 guy. Like, I, I think he. Yeah, I'll, maybe even a three K. I'd like to see him just nail a good three at least. Yeah, like, yeah, he, he would nail a good three. I feel like he's. Oh, I love the bloke, but I feel like definitely a bit of a stagnation there, though, isn't there? Over fifteen hundred. Well, it's one of those things as well. It's it's a it's a funny sport because I think traditionally you assume the older you get, the faster you get to run. Yeah. Um, Junior but, talents. That's what you think, don't you? Like, yeah. Like, this this kid's only eighteen and he's running this. Doesn't mean he's going to get quicker. No. But you know, yeah, no, you're right. Obviously, yeah. like but, like if you looked at the. I guess the tra- traditional trajectory of an athlete's performance, you would assume that, like, yeah, from yeah. 18 to 25, they're going to run faster times. But I think there's a few exceptions. Like, uh, like you look at, I, I don't know exactly when these guys, they might prove me wrong if you looked at their stats, but a bloke like Steve, I bet, I think he was running some of his fastest times at, like, 19 and 20. Yeah. Um, uh, like, maybe they got half a second faster or a second faster for the rest of their career. Yeah. But I remember when Greeks are around 331 or 20, I go, okay, fire out this bloke. He's going to break the world record when he's t- 25. Do you well, know? I just, I'm, I'm, all anyone was thinking at the time was the Australian record is going to be 329 soon. But yeah. he sort of hasn't got back to that. And then Greg, Gregson's a guy that you can set your watch to the fact that he'll run a 335. Yes. And he can do Any that. Any week. Yeah. Yeah. And mo- not 11 months of the year. You could just say, all right, you know, and he'll be within in that sort of shape. And it's just interesting that he hasn't got back down to that 331 because obviously that was a blinder of a day where the stars aligned and he got there. But, yeah, it's been – yeah, he has been a bit injury prone, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Yeah. He has been injury prone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe like a bloke like Stu, they were saying yesterday, he's just tied years together. Of, and, he, and he's pretty like a laid back, just yeah. like, take it as it comes kind of character, yeah. which I think – can only help like if you're operating with pretty st- low stress levels most days of the week. Surely that does something to the longevity of your like at least ability to be able to get up and be motivated to. And Stu's the opposite of that junior phenomenal talent too, because like I was we, just thinking that. we knew Gregson at sixteen was going to be a star, and so therefore that three thirty one wasn't a surprise. We all thought that's well, that was a capability that we all everyone thought he had. But then I guess with you know a guy like Stu who's a better athlete, I don't think there's any harm in saying that now that. He just did not – no one could predict that when Stu was 16. Like, you know, you'd be, be a brave call to make if you saw it. Yeah. You, know what, you know what's so funny? Um, it's actually not funny, but the Australian Tennis Open is uh, – Tennis Open's on in Melbourne at the moment. Went there yesterday? Uh, yep. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Actually, you talked about it before. Um, it is amazing how much 
how much money there is in a sport like tennis in comparison to a sport like athletics. Like, imagine being like the tenth best athlete in the world, run yeah. up. Sure, you're on decent money, but you put that next to a the tenth best tennis player in the prize money that's available. And I understand sponsorship and everything is, yeah. is such a huge part of tennis and marketability. And people, you know, there's a mass, there's a worldwide audience who really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I feel bad for these athletes a lot of the time who are like, sure, you might be on a hundred yeah. grand plus sponsorship or whatever here and there. Um, but for the for the level of athlete that they are, and for the rare like the amount of people who could actually run these times on a worldwide scale is still pretty small. It's sort of frustrating. That there's not more cash in the sport for it. I used to be frustrated, and it is it's a frustration on someone else's behalf. And I, I heard other athletes sort of make the comparison as you know look i'm the i might be the hundredth best australian over 10k for instance like i I wasn't but you know someone else might be saying that and the comparison they used to make was if i was a hundredth best footballer or a hundredth best rugby player in australia imagine the money i'd be making i'm not sure that's a fair chain of thought to follow like no no sports are created equal um and yeah i I don't know where i really sit with that you can get frustrated with it, but then I just look at it as a sport. I'm not sure we do a lot to help the help the cause either. Yeah. It's um, it, it, it's a, it's a niche sport where not a lot of people care about. And I, I don't know, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know, I don't know if you can make people care. It's a hard one, isn't it? It's like swimming in a sense that there's there's yeah. sort of 25 sports within a sport. Yeah, like you say totally. athletics, and you're like, okay, we're talking Usain Bolt, we're talking Mo Farah, we're talking Bikili, yeah, we're talking a high jump from, yeah. you know, there's a million different people. So I think. Just the ability to be able to, I guess, funnel the attention of people towards a like a, a Super Bowl or towards a Grand Final or yeah uh, or whatever is is obviously a lot more difficult. But so, well, I'm a passionate AFL fan, and I, I, I go for Geelong, but I'll happily sit down on a Sunday afternoon and watch a St Kilda Western Bulldogs match. I'll spend three hours watching that, and I'll be pretty captivated by it because I just really enjoy watching the sport, and I, I guess I have an appreciation for it too, which helps. My worry is that how do you get the genuine, you know, a general sports fan? Let's just say the Melbourne Trap Classic was televised. How do you convince someone to sit down for 15 minutes and watch all of the 5K? Yeah, I think the only thing that could potentially do it, and I don't know if, like, Ian Thorpe might have been an example of this, is yeah. it's almost like you need a, a superstar. Oh, you do. Like, you need a world beater that everyone's on the bandwagon. And people had, we had that with the same bolt. He'd raise people would come, and they had that personality attached with it. I think it's unfortunate, but the sport sort of does need that. And we talked about this one on other chats. Like Craig Mottram brought a little bit of that. Like there was mainstream media attention when he was around, and you'd see the articles, you know, in the Age and the Herald Sun, and they'd be talking about you know him. And I think people cared because he had a bit of a relevance to him. And I think the issue that we have in track and field is that how do we give that public relevance to a student Swain? Yeah. Is he the personality that's going to seek that out, or is he the personality that would even thrive? You know, and I, I, I'm not sure he is, but I'm not sure that's his responsibility anyway. Yeah, interesting. So story. it's yeah. funny you say it. Like, um, we, we, we were talking about Nick Curios, the Australian yeah. tennis player, before yeah. we, we, you know, hit recording this podcast. Yeah, and love him or hate him. Yeah, people watching. Yeah, people watching. Conor McGregor, another classic example. I could, yeah. I could not tell you the first thing about UFC, but I went down to the pub for forty seconds to watch his fight a couple of weeks ago and, when it was on. And he's a genuinely shocking bloke. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. He punched a grandpa in the pub the other week. Oh, last year. Did like, he? Yeah, it was footage. What of that. did the grandpa do? I don't know, mouthing off or something. Like you know, he threw yeah, a body, threw a trolley, threw a bus, <laughs> and injured a female fighter with glass. Like, like you know, he, he's genuinely a guy that. 
you know, is entertaining as they come, but yeah. like maybe not the greatest bloke. I mean, but let's be fair. We don't watch UFC. We don't watch a, contact, a combat sport for a moral guideline on how to live your life. You watch yeah. it to be entertained. And so it is that, you know, we talked about this with Curios. It's just like, so what if he's a shit bloke? I don't watch it to sort of learn or get lessons on how to be a great guy. Uh-huh. I, I know that's not his purpose. His purpose is to entertain me, and he does it. Yeah, it's, a, it's so, funny to say because I always say that Donald Trump's like the Conor McGregor of uh, American <laughs> politics. Well, there might be a bit more riding on that rather than. <laughs> I'm not sure Conor McGregor has much say in terms of any uh, public policy. No, but what I'm what I'm saying is yeah. not not in regards to public policy, but in regards to just the attention you pay to the things that are said. Like if yeah. you had a, if you had asked me anything about American politics when Barack Obama was um, running the show, I, I would have been like, mate, just choose a different subject because I'm so bored. <laughs> Whereas I like my interest is at least a little bit open because I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, look, I love the fact that you just said that, or I yeah. can't believe that you just said that. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. So I I would love to see a, a bloke um, come out in like the athletic circuit who just had a bit of just had a like they were good, yeah, and they could maybe not necessarily mouth off in a super disrespectful way or do what they got to do, do whatever they want to do, chuck it out there, just yeah. go, mate, I'm going to just start talking smack but about the, what they're going to do. The worry is with the Australian psyche is we do have a bit of talk obviously. We do. So like, you need to be at least be able to back it up a bit. Now, Mottram had it, right, and it, it was pretty hard to cut Mottram down at his peak. Like, and people, no doubt people didn't like him and he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But he, got, he was that level of athlete where it didn't matter. And I think the challenge with that would be is you need to be that level of athlete where you can back it up because otherwise the Australian public are not going to get behind you. That's true. And They're I think not. another thing is like there's two sides to that. So first of all um, is like if we're speaking about uh, marketability on a world scale, yep. if you're strong enough not to to be able to brush off the Australian public's opinion of this yeah. guy's a bit of a dickhead, yeah. Go for it because there's only 25 million people in Australia or whatever. Yeah, like maybe maybe 500,000 of them might be half interested in you as an athlete. But on a world scale, like if you were a, yeah. a world beater and you were mouthing off and doing a little bit of Conor McGregor, but then backing it up, yeah, it'd be quite tricky too. Like even though I've, I've thought about this with this podcast, and I might have some opinions where people might disagree. We haven't got to the stage yet where anyone sort of contacted me and told me I'm a dickhead for saying this. No, they it, shoot those messages to yeah, me. and you and just I, them out, don't tell me. And if they did, I'd like to think I'm pretty thick-skinned and and I'm I'm content in myself that I can hold my own opinions and I don't care what people think about it because I value myself for a million different other reasons. But until you're put in that position, it would be hard. Like, it would be hard logging onto Twitter and getting called every insult under the sun and filtering that out and not sort of paying attention to that. It would be hard to sort of know that certain people have this to say about you. And... You, you, I'm not sure if you can teach that that yeah. level of confidence and self, you know, self assuredness. That yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But well, who would you? But who in track and field, right, male or female, do you think has that perfect mix of first of all is a good athlete, and second of all might be comfortable in, in playing that role? And we can call it a role. It doesn't have to be a true persona. Like, who do you think could could do that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I right now, I I can't even. Think. Do you mean on an Australian well, scene or on the international scene? Because like, let's say Melbourne Track Classics coming up, right? But ten years ago, when Mottram's running, right, there would probably be a bit more chatter about it. You know, you might tune into sports tonight. There might be a thirty-second segment on him talking about you know how he's going to win, what he's going to do, what he wants to achieve. We're not going to get that this year, and we've got athletes running which are nearly at that level. You know, not quite there. Not no sub thirteen athletes yet, but they're they're nearly there. Well, 
I'm wondering if any of those guys have the capabilities to sort of not give a, you know, not give a stuff yeah. what they're saying when, when the interviewer is asked and not roll out the old cliche. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought potentially like a Brett Robinson at one stage of his well, career. Oh, he was just going through my yeah. life as you said that. But then I, I guess potentially, oh, the worry is with him is he's, you know, plodding along at the moment. Not plodding along. Like he's in a bit of a stage of his career where he's figuring out where he is as an athlete. Is he a marathoner? Is he a 5K runner? Is he a 10K runner? He'll sort that out. And he's a better athlete than what we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think he's just going to get that, figure it out. Maybe he'll figure the marathon out and he'll be the new Australian record holder. There's that possibility too. He's talented enough. But I think and the problem is you've got to be running well to, to play that play that role. He can't get on, you know, he can't call up, you know, um, the age reporter who does it for the age. Scott Gullen is the athletics reporter for the age. He can't call up Scott and, um, you know, say, you know, quote me on this, you know, get art. Like and I have no doubt athletes like Mottram would have done that mm. or Mottram's management would have stirred up a little bit to sort of promote the brands that he, he – he had a brand. It was himself. Mm-hmm. And – I just, I'm not sure if you can do it at the moment. Sally Pearson was an interesting one because she certainly got a lot of media attention, and but she got it for the right reasons. She got it just for being a world better. Yes. But, and with all due respect to her, she wasn't a great speaker. She didn't need to be. She was the world's best hurdler for a long time. For, you know, so yeah, Well, in terms of performance, yeah. she didn't need to be. But I, I think I know, uh, yeah. I think in terms of um, – what you what you could do, so say for example, yeah. you had a little bit of Brett Roberts, Brett yeah. Robinson in a Sally Pearson yeah. performance. So she's a world beater, yeah. and she's also putting up on social media that hey, yeah. on, the, on the weeks of road running or on the weeks yeah. of track and field, yeah. just a little bit. Of, it's just it is fun, yeah. um, and I think the fact that some people hate it is the thing that makes it quite interesting as I well, agree. isn't it? But, it's a Nick Curios, uh, exactly. I was watching highlights. Like this is an example. I was watching highlights of Curios last yeah. last night where they were at Wimbledon. And Kyrgios, like, Rafael Nadal came to the net for a volley and Kyrgios just, like, pelted the ball yeah. in his chest. And they're in the press conference after it. And it was yeah. like, oh, mate, how, like, why didn't you apologise to Nadal about hitting the ball in? He's like, because I was trying to hit him. Yeah. And the guy's like, no, but, like, what, what do you mean? This is tennis. And he goes, who, sorry? Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you talking about? He goes, well, it's a gentleman's game. He goes, who says? He goes, who says? He goes, mate, I was trying to hit him square in the chest. Yep. And I was like, mate. I've played social tennis and tried to do the same thing. <laughs> yes. and, but like, you know, you do it. Yeah. Like, it, it is interesting. And tonight, so it's, a, what is it, Monday the 27th uh-huh. when we're recording this, he's playing, um, you know, he's playing Nadal tonight. And I can guarantee you across Australia, there are going to be people saying right now how much they hate him. They think he's a wanker, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they'll watch every second of that match. Mm-hmm. And they might be cheering for him or they might be cheering against him. But the ratings are going to be there. Interesting. So... Who loses? Yeah. You know, Kyrgios right now, like his sponsors are probably loving it because of all the prime time coverage they're getting. You know, he, he, Kyrgios probably doesn't care and he's potentially going to be a quarter finalist yeah. maybe tonight if he wins. Mate, it's, so, the whole, it's that Ricky Gervais factor of the Golden Globes yes. as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, whether you're, like if you're watching because you love him or you're watching because you hate him, you're still watching. And, and if you ask Ricky Gervais, all he cares about is that people watch. <laughs> yes. So it's so good. Yeah, and I know. And I, so I, we're not insane. Track and field is not a sport that lends itself to those characters. Let's be real. Like it's a very, it's a hardworking sport where you sit back, you train hard, you grind, yeah. and then results hopefully happen for you. So it's not that flashy sort of sport. And you know, we're not a country that produces hundred meter sprinters normally. You know, with the exception of Pearson over the hurdles. Yeah. So, and that's the flashy event. We're a country where our talents are in a bit more of a, you know, yeah, the, the outer events. 
And um, yeah, it, it, it's a hard one. I don't know. I'm not sure if we're ever going to get to the stage where we're really going to have that public profile. Or to your original point, these guys are going to be making the millions, which we can argue over if they deserve or not. I, I'm not sure it's as simple as saying these guys are elite, they train ridiculously hard, therefore they deserve millions. I'm not sure that it works that way. Yeah. Well, when you think yeah. about the fact that the, the millions come from marketability, the millions come from yeah. sponsors. Like, if the sponsors aren't there, I remember a few years ago yeah. someone asking uh, Ronda Rousey, she, they said, like, what do you think about the pay gap between men's and women's fighting? She goes, no, no, with me, there is no pay gap. She goes, I make as much as yeah. the best fighters in the world because I'm marketable. Yeah. She goes, if uh, if people watch, like, you get the, you get the money. Yeah. And I think in the end, it does come down to that, doesn't it? Like, if you, yeah. if you get... If you get the eyeballs, you get the dollars. Yeah, and and like you, you, people just care about it. So we, we compare it to here in Melbourne AFL. Everyone has an opinion on AFL. You can not really follow the sport, but you know you still got a team. Mm. So like people still majority of people culturally have a team that they support, even if they don't love the sport. It's like I don't really follow footy, but I go for kind. Yeah. <laughs> so they've still got this connection, and that with that connection, it does breed a level of passion for the sport versus, you know, like you said, maybe cycling, swimming, track and field, those sorts of individual events. It is hard to sort of have that connection. And there's another point just there, the fact that there's not that tribal connection to a team. I love my football club, Geelong, and I have this tribal connection where it ruins my week if they lose. Yeah, is that right? I I didn't hear you that passionate about it. So if I'm watching the game on a Sunday afternoon and they play terrible – Monday morning, it still it annoys me, and I, and I have that level of passion. But and I put my money where my mouth is because by membership, I go to as many games as I can. I watch it on TV, and I'm funding, you know, their pay packets mm-hmm. because I care and because I like that. And it, it, it's just it's something it's it's a part of me, and I really enjoy it. And you, you just don't get that. Like we've got our own connection. So me and you, there might be people we know, or you know, we have a connection with like Stu. So we, we inherently care how he's going as an athlete and love it more because he's Australian. You know, you might have those other connections. Like I know you've mentioned a bit like your fanboy a bit over Nick Willis and you have that connection with him. But it's about, it's a sport where you've got to try to build those connections with people who aren't us, mm. you know, and why, why should the general public have, a, have a, an emotional connection with how McSwain goes, apart from the fact that he's Australian. And that's where, that's the challenge. Yeah, really good point. Yeah. Really good point. Um, before we go, I wanted yep. to talk to you quickly about Women's Marathon because that's another event um, that yeah, I reckon huge. going into Tokyo is going to be really interesting. Lisa Waitman just yesterday dropped at 2.26, you told me. Yes, yeah, so I'm not sure if that's puts her second or third. So I know that Sinead's number one ranked. But is she an Aussie? Is, who, is yeah, she Sinead's Aussie? Yeah, yeah, so she's a naturalised Australian. So she's oh, okay. well, very thick Irish accent, but yeah. she represents Australia. Sure. So there's Sinead, Lisa and Ellie Pashley at the moment are the top three. So I'm not sure which order um, Lisa and Ellie are in in terms of second or third ranks. But it's really interesting when it comes for Tokyo um Tokyo selections because I know it's, it's Millie Clark mm-hmm. and also of course your recent um, uh, interview with uh, Metal Blank. Oh, Jess, Jess Trinker. Sorry, yeah. Jess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's there's five athletes now. Jess has got the challenge of you know recently coming back from becoming a mother, which is you know it's kind of it, it makes things a bit more difficult. I don't know if we can rule her out yet. Certainly puts her on the outside, but then Millie I think is going to drop a marathon soon. So. It, it, it's going to be that'll be an interesting event to qualify to. It'll be interesting to see if the girls that don't make it and trying to go go to the US maybe and, and drop a good ten k. Yeah, you know that'll that'll be what's interesting there because I guess 
Yeah, I'm not sure if there's that depth of talent with the girls on the track, but on the roads, there definitely is at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be good to watch. I yeah. think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I'd love to, I'd love to get some sort of mm. uh, like relaxed running podcast group together where we put in our predictions. A not so relaxed competition, I think. A not so, hopefully, like, <laughs> yeah, very, very intense competition. Um, so we're going to talk about that and maybe next yeah. time we catch up. That'd be good. Um, we'll get something sorted. So again, if that interests you, and we, we will try to get some potential prizes hopefully we'll try to get organized some uh sponsors to well we're starting to get an audience now which is good we are. which is always gonna happen with, i think in the start like the first 10 episodes it's hard because it's like all right you're just trying to let yeah. people know well back catalog are now getting listens but so tyson showed me a bit of the data before and we're on an upwards trend yeah, so, so every, every episode is going <laughs> up, which is nice because we were just joking around if it was going the other way we'd be like shit what are we doing with our time here yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but there's plenty of running fans out there isn't well there, there is and i think there's a, there's you know, we talk about, well, this This is where it fits in perfect. We complain or we have this wish that the sport was a higher up. Well, what are people doing to fix it? And I think we're out here and we're promoting the sport, we're promoting being healthy, being active, and we're talking about these athletes, we're talking about their sponsors. So hopefully we're part of the solution. We're not going to be the solution, but this is why I do it. This is I want to talk about it because I love the sport. Yeah. And I want, really... it, I want it to be better. Yeah. And you know, get involved, talk about track and field, and I think we'll get it in the right direction. That's good. I actually do have the solution, and I'm not going to tell anyone because I get a Nike sponsorship. So, um, AA, if you're listening, <laughs> new board member, Tyson Hobson. <laughs> oh, no, there's no way I'm going to do a full time job for anyone ever again. So, AA, I would like to retract my application. <laughs> Wait, you just AA. sell your ID to them. Thanks for coming around again, brother. That was, uh, that was good fun. It was good. All right, guys. Um, Wait, we need to start. We need to start getting these these guys involved a bit more. If you want to leave a leave a little review, let us know what you like, what you hate, what to change. Blah, yeah, blah, what blah. happened to the listener questions? We had them at one point. Did we? Yeah, we did. Let's we're, bring them back. Let's bring them back. Listener questions. All right. Listen. Where to? Where? Oh, this is okay. Perfect yeah. time because I I'm trying to figure out social media. <laughs> we have an Instagram page now. Like yeah. Relax Running. I've got a. I thought uh, we had that for a while. Yeah, we have. But yeah. I, just, I don't know if I told these, these oh, guys. Guys, we've got a page. Like so, it. <laughs> so jump on there and send me a just send me a message uh, if you've got any questions or um, you want to critique the guru. Um, well, and just to be fair, depending, I don't not that I don't trust Tyson, but whatever response you get is from Tyson, not me. This is this is Tyson's podcast. I'm just a regular guest, so Tyson's replying, not me. All right. The amount of times you say that is um is actually it's really funny to me because I feel like you don't trust me, <laughs> mate. I trust you, but sometimes, guys, for at the chats that we have before the record button, you know, gets clicked. Like, I've just got to triple check the Tice. You're not recording this, eh, mate? Tice, this cannot go to air. Tice, like. Because <laughs> oh, otherwise everyone would know how much I, I really do love you and don't you. My boyfriend. We've got to stop. This is ridiculous. <laughs> guys, I'm getting out of here before I uh, get myself in trouble. Thanks for stopping by. See you, guys. Uh, see ya. See ya.